Did you guys get a lot of snow? <laughs> no, I didn't get any snow. It snowed yesterday, and now it's gorgeous. What is going on? I know. Well, what temperature? Yeah, you I got think there? it's El Nino. It's like fifty-five degrees, probably. No, it's not gorgeous. It's nice though. Well, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> I just completely took your world apart. I just, uh, I don't know. You went from thinking it was a nice day to looking outside and thinking, oh, fuck this it's, day. It's bright, and, though. That get, it, that earns several it degrees. It is bright. And, Russ, I, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and the things that make you happy aren't really that great. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the things that you really love in this world are actually pretty shitty. Yeah, um, I'm beginning to notice that, too. This, uh, the smell of your mother's perfume that you remember so fondly is she and your father got ready for a night out. Um, it didn't smell that good. Yeah. No. That sense memory you have is actually wrong. You think, sorry, the, you're thinking of gasoline. You were thinking of gasoline. The smell of freshly baked cookies? Mm-hmm. Nah, not very impressive. More like Everyone freshly baked cookies. Freshly baked dookies is more like it. <laughs> Why don't people call them dookies more? We could bring that back. That's a weight loss. That's a weight loss tip for you. If you call cookies dookies, you'll want to eat them less. I would hope if you call cookies dookies, cookies. I would hope that you would want to eat them never again, yeah. at least in public. My name is Justin McRoy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin. Oh, I got caught in a stretch. I'm Griffin. I play games. My name is Chris Plant, and I live in New York City. My name is Ross uh, Frostick, and I know the best game of the week. Ugh, it's the besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest and hottest and sexiest games. And we put them together, and we make little pies. Like a little, little pie. And uh, out of games. And then to this week... On the besties, we got um, Gears of War. Rashomon. <laughs> Gears of War, back, back again. Uh, we got... You forgot you what You don't even remember. Luigi, Luigi, <laughs> Luigi Mansion and Walking Dead. The mm. show, the games are here, and they're hot and ready to go. So to be digested. Sexy-ass games. These are some games that people played. Let's get into the boring one. Gears of War okay, Judgment. I'll, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on this game, but I wanted to start it out reminding us all that um, Chris Plant had a snobby art school um, college experience. Mm-hmm. So the only way that I was able to convey to him what Gears of War Judgment was about was by calling it basically Rashomon. It's true, because you see, <laughs> you play as Baird, but truly you're Tajumaru, the rapist of Guys, the delicate. Can... Huh? I'm so fucking dumb. Can you fucking tell me what you're talking Tajumaru? about? Tajumaru? Please. The star of Rashomon? Okay, I heard the words that you said, but I can't. I have no association. Okay, so basically, Rashomon is a very famous film and story. Can you talk more about Gears, no, though, no, than no, the you book? you gotta know what this is, because it'll explain Gears in a much better way than Gears Otherwise, does. he can't justify his I college education and all money. the money he spent. I'm a visual learner, though, not an auditory one. Did you ever see that movie one? where, like, John Travolta <laughs> is in the military, and then, like, they tell the story... Like three Stripes. different ways. Stripes. It's not old dogs. Sure. Yeah, I think it is old dogs. Or sorry, wild hogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, it's cold, cold logs. Cowboy, 
uh, Space Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So in this game, can you feel the hand of 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 uh, writer Tom Bissell? Oh um, gosh. Oh, let me actually before we start talking about Tom, I'm, I, this is a legitimate question. No, okay, uh, but I'm gonna work, I'm so gonna I'm before we start talking about him in particular, I do want to give you, everyone the rundown of the story. So uh, you're commanding the role of Baird uh, to start off the game, and the uh, overarching plot, which has a lot of deep ins and outs and a lot of subtext, is basically. There's a giant spider, and you need a big missile to blow him up, and then you get the missile, and then you blow him up. You know what I like about Baird is that he looks like a beefed-up version of Seth Green and can't hardly wait. Because the goggles. I, I always thought he looked like uh, Sid from Final Fantasy VII, and I like the goggles. That's the same. Well, and the spiky blonde hair, um, and just the general attitude. Um, I like to pretend it's the same character, and then I like I'll write. I'll like write some fiction about that and then I'll put it mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, you've read some of my works? No. Um most of them are just like Baird slash Sid and but then they like uh-huh. they fuck. Something to do with Sid's spear. Mm-hmm. Then I have like Sid slash Sonic. Like Sid's usually in it. Sonic is also usually in it. I got a lot of Sid slash Sonic. Yeah. It's hard to Is that the one hard, where hard they eat each other's chili dogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a manner of speaking. Does, <laughs> does Sonic like taking in, in his tails? Oh, get out of town. Come on. Get out of town. We're over here talking about real life. I thought chili we were dogs. talking about uh Gears of War Judgment. So how was the how is the game? So I actually I feel a little bit torn about it because so the campaign the story is a fucking joke, frankly. Like it's what? you know i never thought the gear stories were all that good and this one reaches new levels of absurdity and lameness it's just like as straightforward a story as you could possibly imagine uh but the gameplay that they added um is essentially they added this whole scoring system where you're constantly being uh rated based on your performance as you play through the campaign um and so you see these scores uh, sort of like you're increasing your star meter, essentially. And you can increase that faster by adding variables to each little section. So, for example, uh, they're called declassified missions. And if you take a declassified missions for a given section, it might cause fog to roll in and then you can't see very far around you. Or it might cause more enemies to show up that explode or so on and so forth. So they add a bunch of new variables to each of the missions that are optional, but generally, you know, make you play in a kind of interesting way. What I thought was missing was one of the things that I think Gears does very well is like these insanely grand scenes where like you're on an airship and other airships are grappling onto your airship and they're sliding down and like the stuff that we saw in Tomb Raider, essentially those crazy set pieces are like a mainstay of Gears. This Gears yeah. game has 0.0 of those set pieces. Really? It's like every that's single... All, that's like all that Gears 3 was, was. I know. Every single uh, level is like very standard cover, you know, practically like square environments. Like it's super, super straightforward, uh, which feels like a step in the wrong direction. And And honestly, like a lot of this feels like Oh, we only had a year to make this game. Let's make a relatively simple one. I don't know how much, how long it took them to make this game, um, but you compare this game to like Bulletstorm, which People Can Fly worked on before this, and that game I think is tremendous and super original and like 
really set itself apart, whereas this game feels... Essentially, this feels like Halo ODST, which is to which say... Which a lot of people liked. Really? I... Ugh. Lots of people liked ODST. Yeah, I, okay. ODST is actually my favorite. Uh, you guys, <laughs> you are out of your mind. It's got that jazz music. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I can play have. jazz music. I can have a, a, a friend of mine come over and toot on a sax while I play Halo 4. Yeah. But toot, toot. suffice it to say, uh, I actually really enjoy Tom Bissell's writing, but I didn't really get any of it in this game. Like, nothing stood I, out to me as, like, I don't know good if you've writing. been following his kind of... Uh, it's been a humbling PR tour, <laughs> I feel like, for him. Uh, even his most recent interview for the New York Times w- was just admitting that when he wrote Extra Lives, that book that came out a few years ago, that he was of the opinion that a good writer could just show up at a video game studio and turn a game around and make it interesting. And now he recognizes that that's not true yeah i mean i'd be curious uh, to know like how late into the process he was brought in and whether he had any control of like story elements he supposedly he had considerably more control than a writer is normally afforded with a video game but essentially like if he um, wanted to it, it wasn't just him there was yeah was another, another writer person. uh i i think the writing is fine I, I don't think it like when you say writing it's not. let's let's make it clear are you talking about dialogue or are you talking about i'm I'm talking about dialogue and clarity okay. which those are like the low bars which i measure video games writing on and i think it's i can track what is happening in the story which sets it above most. but if what is uh, happening in the story the is essentially is there's a missile and they need it to blow yeah, up a I'm giant not... spider i don't think that's but too hard that to they convey. chose to make it simple is still i appreciate that more than the latter which is this is actually about eastern philosophy and if you read the three comic books that came out beforehand you'd know that he's actually your sister and yeah whatever that we should is. mention the uh, it, it, it is just when when we joke about rashomon the idea is that it's a it's a military tribunal that's happening while the war is still raging and you get four versions of sort of the same story and there's a lot of interesting playing on the idea of how when people tell stories uh they're not always necessarily true or just precise uh, and that's where that classified where is it declassified, declassified is that what it's called that what's interesting about that idea is that the story itself is slightly changing when you choose those missions it's like oh i remembered uh actually there were this many this type of enemies there i had forgotten that or actually there was a hammer of dawn strike and we had to get out of there in two minutes and what's really good about those that don't that doesn't exist in the Gears games until now is they actually give stakes uh, for every single scene. Instead of being like, well, here's another hallway, just keep moving forward. Usually that tiny little bit of dialogue is like, here's why well, you should and keep And not only that, forward. it gives you, because of the scoring mechanic, it gives you a reason it, to care about all of the things that you're doing at any given moment. It's not just like... Like, if there's only one guy left in previous Gears games, you would, like, just fuck around and not even worry about it. But here you're like, oh, I need to get another headshot to complete this mission. And it sort of adds an extra layer layer of, like, interest and strategy to the combat. So I like that. Like, I thought that was a really smart idea. Do you guys feel like, and this this could just be the circles that I, I dwell in, but do you feel like there is a, a resounding sense of apathy for for this game like yes. that it is that it is not getting people fired up whatsoever yeah i think everyone realizes what this game is which is to say 
Microsoft realized how long it would be until the next Gears game came out after three. And they were like, no, 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 that will not do. How can we get one out in a year and a half? And yeah, yeah so they... I, I'm careful to speculate like that. I, I, I also don't know if there's apathy. I'd really wait to see what the sales are because I didn't think it was that popular and its sales were, I mean, insane. Out of, out of I would just say apathy in comparison to a, like an actual sequel worthy I, gear, I think the bigger release. thing is the type of people who are very jazzed about video games right now have a number of other things to be much more excited about, which is a Tomb Raider reboot, uh, Bioshock Infinite, and the absolute gobs of indie games that have been coming out over the past two months. So I feel like there just hasn't been a lot of room for people to get excited about something that is... I, I just... When I finished Gears 3, which was a, a fucking long campaign, yeah. like I just didn't have any more interest... I could see them maybe releasing something like this between 2 and 3 or between 1 and 2, but after 3 and its conclusion, as half-baked as it was, like, I just... And it's not just narrative, it's just I shot fucking a billion locusts already. Like, I have done that so many times in every conceivable way. Like, the scoring stuff sounds cool, but that just sounds like... Yeah, I don't know. That just sounds like a mode on a game I've already yeah, it's, played. It's essentially the same feeling that I had with regards to the Mass Effect Three DLC. I try uh, again, not to set a double standard when it comes to Gears because, I, like, I play Call of Duty every year, and of course, I only enjoy it for about a month before, you know, fucking everybody's like cyborgs at it. But I, I, I've, and and I, I'm not saying there's any more variation there than there is in in Gears. I just, I don't know. I guess it's just it's. I guess I'm frustrated because it these guys just made what I thought was th- one of the most inventive and like subversively uh, interesting first-person shooters. Yep. In Bulletstorm, like, and and a lot of people never got past the outs outer layer of Bulletstorm, which was just that sort of like the marketing, bro. The marketing, <laughs> yeah, the marketing, right. the which is bro dude explosion. When the, when the game itself was actually kind of a, I don't know, not a satire of that. That's giving it too much credit, but it was definitely it was, subversive, though. Oh, it, it, it was, was definitely, it was definitely a subversive game, and it was yeah. interesting, and it was like, and then for them to make, I mean, it's just, I cannot think of anything yeah. less interesting to use these guys' well, talents on. Yeah, like I cannot think of anything less inspiring than, listen, we got a brand. We can't. We don't want to do another Marcus Phoenix game. Let's get like really out there and find the other white dude in this team and just really blow it out it, <laughs> and it's like oh i know people like gears cool but like something in, in i mean i was done with gears halfway through gears 3 i didn't finish gears 3 i thought it was a snooze and a half so obviously i am biased in whether or not i think gears is a good application of the talents of these guys who just made this game i really like but i i just it's so I don't know. It bums me so hard that that this is what they're working on. Yeah. To dig into the writing really quick, comparing those two, I, I don't know who wrote uh, Bulletstorm, and maybe they were involved. Uh, Remender. So uh, not, I forget his. He wasn't involved. Uh, he's a comic in book this game. writer. Uh, but that writing, uh, it was, it, it was so trashy. But it, there were moments of like, just brilliance. <laughs> like, and, and just it was actually funny uh, a lot of the time, which is unusual uh it was a little offensive but there's a moment towards the end of the game where i don't know if you remember this but there's a bomb that you're trying to prevent from detonating 
and you like stop it and then go on to fight some boss and then you just wind up in the exact same room with the exact same bomb and there's a mm-hmm. self-aware moment where they're like ah oh, crap we just have to do this again like and it was such a slam on itself in video games i don't know i i just loved that um let's let's move on let's i don't i'm just i'm even bored with the combo let's talk about something yeah. really happy like walking dead i love that show so, oh so you mean the is, telltale game i love yeah the this is the oh, awesome telltale game right how is walking i played walking dead it's how great, is clementine great great great, great she is better than ever awesome. i i really i think walking dead is great <laughs> walking dead is a great game why are we bringing it up uh the only way this survival instinct game would be better is if the first thing you do is shoot Clementine. Oh, survival instinct? No, that's a bad game. That's let's, different. Let's make it clear that this is our halftime because I don't want people saying, hey, I thought you were only going to talk about the best games. This um, is not the best game. This is not. It is. This not. is what I did yesterday at 8.30 a.m. I drove to Walmart and I bought survival instinct. It was $50. Uh, and so ten I, bucks off. That's not bad. Ten bucks off. So it was forty on Amazon. Get it? Um, this is a gross, gross cat. Have you ever? Have you ever? <laughs> have you ever played Walking Dead and thought this is pretty good? But I wish instead of one of the few interesting minority characters in any video game ever, I wish. I was a neo-Nazi <laughs> because that is the experience the Walking Dead survival instinct delivers to you. It is a first-person shooter, I guess, not really a shooter, um, where you are Daryl trying to rescue Merle, your brother, Merle Dixon. Man, those fucking parents couldn't uh, couldn't do anything. Couldn't is Daryl the gentleman with the crossbow? Yeah. Yes. Daryl's one with the crossbow. Did, were, his, uh, were their parents like wild boars and it's just the noises that they make? So I, I wrote a whole review. I'm sure you guys have read it at this point. So why don't you, instead of me just like going on and on about this game, what questions do you have for me? What How is the crossbow gameplay? Okay. So the crossbow is introduced about two thirds into the game. You get the crossbow and, and no bullshit, I found eight arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can just keep taking them out of the zombie's head, right? You can, and that's oh. actually an effective, like, that's what you kind of have to do. But, every, but like, you're not going to always hit a zombie, and sometimes you're going to fly over uh, well, maybe you know, you a roof or whatever. But... Or you're not, or you're going to have to run, because sometimes you're just getting swarmed with zombies. Um, speaking of which, when you get swarmed with zombies, you, uh, <laughs> you they grab you, and then you hover your cur- cursor over their head and pull right trigger, and it instantly kills them. But then they... You just get grabbed by the very next zombie. So uh, <laughs> you just get passed from zombie to zombie, and it's actually the most effective way to kill a crowd of zombies. <laughs> so I, the secret of this game is like, oh, my God, I'm getting chased by zombies. Round them up into a big herd of zombies and then stand in the middle and just like, <laughs> let it wash over you. It's like you're at a wedding and you're doing like a dance circle. It's, yes, exactly. It's, they're like, go, Justin, go, Justin, go, while you're stabbing them in the head. Um so that stinks. The crossbow is actually kind of – I kind of like the the mechanic of – it's kind of a neat mechanic of, like, I'm going to kill this guy and this guy and this guy, but I have to remember, like, what I did with my ammo. Like, I have to go back and retrieve all of it. Um, that's kind of interesting. The problem with the, the, like, the combat part – there's lots of problems. The problem with the combat part is that you – there are three levels of like weapon damage of melee weapon damage right light medium and and heavy um 
And the only way to kill someone with a firearm is to put their reticle on their head and then shoot. So you do that with a, uh, that's choose the crossbow or the shotgun or the rifle or the pistol. I mean, it's like it's all the same. That's what you do. That is the thing that you do. But you this is a first-person shooter, right? Like the way you're describing it is almost like like the shitty aiming in the Walking Dead Telltale game. But no, it's... I mean the aiming is is not the problem. It's it's the fact that so that if you use a firearm, let's say I have like a, a semi-automatic rifle, right? Let's say I have a bolt-action rifle. I po- I I point it at a zombie's head. Yeah. Um. Then I fire it, and hopefully we'll hit the zombie. Um, firearms work from an unpredictable distance, so they work from different distances, so you'd never know sort of how that's, far it's going to be. That's true to life, though. Of course it is. Uh, and then, but it, but like once you do it, you in theory pull a horde of zombies. Oh. So, which once you're in that situation, no weapon is really effective other than letting yourself get grabbed by a crowd. Problem with it is the melee weapons are have a much bigger reticle, and all you have to do is get it near the head of the zombie and then pull the right trigger. So th- that takes two hits with a lead pipe, which you find about uh, second level or so, and that takes one hit with a fire axe, which I found about halfway through. So basically it was just a fire axe simulator where I w- – it was a third-person fire axer. First person fire axer, where I just went from dude to dude, chopping their head off, like guns, very methodically. G- guns also attract the zombies, right? So like, there's double, there's double. Yeah, no, no, no. There's double incentive. There's double na- and there's not a lot of ammo. Um, and if you are behind a zombie, then you can do a stealth kill on them. So, so a lot of times, the best, the best play for a single zombie that has spotted you, is to wait till they get close, shove them. Then run around behind them and pull off the stealth move to execute them. Um, there's the the interesting like the thing that's frustrating about it is that it's just clearly underfunded and rushed and not something that they put that not terminal reality. I'm I'm sure they could have done better with more resources. Let me give you an example of an interesting idea. The game is about a journey south, so you stop at uh you know major c- cities or whatever along the way and uh usually it's to get a new car because yours is busted up or or to pick someone up or uh to get supplies or whatever so you go south there's actually branching paths so on your way down you can choose one way or the other it's all going the same direction but if you replay you can do a different level um and there's a gas meter uh, for your car that you're driving. And you can actually find gas in the levels. So if you drive on backwoods, you use uh, more gas, but there's a higher chance that you'll stop to scavenge. And what that means is you'll randomly stop, you'll end up in this small zombie-infested area, and you can run around and grab all the supplies that you can can find. Um that's what scavenging is. Okay. Uh, if you run, uh, you can, <laughs> can also. Can you define sti- scavenge? For no, no, me. no. I, this is important. It's important that you understand this. Okay. So you can also take highways. Highways use less gas, but there's less chance that you'll stop to scavenge, and more chance that you'll uh, that your car will break down. Yeah. If your car breaks down, you stop in a small area that's full of zombies and littered with supplies. You grab as many supplies as you can, and also make sure you grab the part for your broken down car. If you run out of gas, you stop in a small area full of zombies, you grab as many supplies as you can, 
and you also make sure you get gas. So it, these are either way, the, it's the all same, supermarket sweep, like no matter. Yeah, <laughs> and they're often the same maps. So like, if you run out of gas, you stop and get more supplies. If you take the highways instead of the back roads, then you won't get to scavenge, but your your car breaks down, which is, is literally the exact same thing. Uh, the only difference is you you have to find the one part you need which your compass points you directly to, and then return to your car. We're scavenging you return to your car at any time. That's it. It's okay. practically all the same thing. And even this, um, sorry, you also get, uh, you can also rescue survivors in the middle of the levels, uh, and they are, uh, they'll follow along with you, and at the beginning of the following level, after you save them, you can send them out at the beginning of the level to, to find you gas or food or ammo. We've already discussed why uh, ammo and gas are useless, so I would send them to food, which you need to replenish your health. It's actually just sports drinks and MREs. That's all the Dixon <laughs> boys get into. So you send them to go find you more sports drinks and MREs. That sounds accurate, though. That sounds... It is Are we accurate. talking so monster? Are we talking... You can, what are we talking what? about? No, no, it's just like like lime Gatorade. Oh. So you, you, uh, you can send them out. You can actually arm them with a weapon. And then you see a percentage chance that they'll come back alive. If they come back alive, their their energy will be low, and the way you fill it is Gatorade, Gatorade and MRE. <laughs> so, so basically, <laughs> thanks for this shit you just found. I guess it would be great if you want to just eat that and live longer. Yeah, but do they this level up? No, for... no, nothing like that. No, no. And if they die, your weapon's gone forever. So, like, but they have different characteristics like some are riskier and you can send a whole party of people to do something and that actually lowers the danger so is, will one of them go home and accidentally start a prostitution ring in his parents house no what i what? i'd imagine the riskiest person would do that oh, no, oh god. No, god uh no none of that happened so like, and then fuck on a train <laughs> It's got those interesting ideas. It's just like, like I said, that the there are mechan. It's like I said in the review, there are mechanics, but there's no systems. Like nothing works together. Like nothing's. I don't know. It sounds. It awful. also has kind of an, an interesting thing where if you beat the game with certain qualifiers, like sometimes it's having one survivor still alive or a certain survivor, then you can get different um, unlocks, like infinite ammo or move faster or whatever for your next playthrough so when <laughs> you it, want to dip back is in it, it does it does it tie does it act how much of like a story supplement to the tv show is it is it because it like i remember playing lost via domus which was largely a giant turd but then at the end of it you're like <laughs> oh there's a, there's a few I'm lost secrets in here that, that i'll be able to talk to my friends about because of the secrets nothing here's like that the, in walking oh. dead I can't tell you the ending. Okay. But if I did, why can't you I tell us the spoil, ending? Okay. Give me one minute to spoil the ending for you if you're listening right now. It is not a very good ending. So he hears about evacuation choppers. Daryl does. Merle has been MIA except for two levels. I do not, and he is not in those levels. For the first one, he has a fever, and for the <laughs> second one, he's on a roof. Merle has been a completely AFK. There's two evacuation <laughs> choppers, and <laughs> they're they're taking off, right? And they're swarmed with zombies, and Merle pulls up to the where the evacuation chopper is in, like, 
a giant Humvee with a mounted assault rifle on the top, and you shoot a thousand zombies. And he's like, Daryl's like, thank you, Merle, you saved me. And Daryl hops on this helicopter to be evacuated, and Merle pulls him off the helicopter and says, I don't know, it looked like the pilot was turning, so I'm looking out for you. And then they both get in the car and drive away. That's like that's like the last episode of House. Pretty much the, the same thing. It's really not that far off. It's that's the end of the game. You don't learn. There's no characterization. The only, I mean, there there are some very sparse in-game conversations with people, um, and and really like the I guess the least interesting thing about it from a character perspective is that the Walking Dead for these two characters, Daryl specifically has really been about how he changed from a piece of shit into someone more caring. So this is a whole game where, by definition, he can't evolve. So he's just kind of a piece of shit. And Merle's also a piece of shit. And enjoy your game, I guess. Yeah. So it's you just know. Redneck Rampage, basically. If if only it were, Griffin. If only it were. <laughs> um, well, that was uh, disheartening. Yeah. It's just it's shitty and... You go get a phone, you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off, because you got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden, they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all... You already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. 
So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Let's let's talk about a better game. Let's talk about ghosts. Let's talk about specters. Warren Specter. What's he up to? But no, that's a good joke. But no, let's talk about Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. So, it, it, it who else has played it? Who's I played who's, it? I haven't played, played it, it, but I have a lot of questions about it. Okay, but let, let me let me set it up first. Um, we'll, we'll go we'll go sort of pros and cons because I think that's the best way to talk about it. Um, mechanically, like the controls, they they've added a lot of stuff. They haven't even added a lot of stuff. They've added a few things that have completely turned it around. Like in the first game, you uh, did you have to shine your flashlight on the ghost before you sucked them up? I don't. Think I never so, played right? the first game. Okay, so okay, well then maybe God, maybe I need to go back even further. So in the first game, you had to. You were told that you won this mansion in a contest that you didn't enter. You went to it. Wait, are, are, I was told this, or Luigi was told this. Luigi was. Um, okay. You go to it and shit gets crazy because there's ghosts up in it. Yep. Um, and there were several like types of ghosts. The basic gameplay was there were these boss ghosts that were the denizens of the mansion who had more like human characteristics. Like you would go into a nursery and there would be a baby ghost and you had to figure out what you needed to do to make that baby ghost catchable. Like maybe you had to pick Shake up it. one of his toys and no, God, it's already a ghost. Oh, right. <laughs> you can't kill it again. Um, so, like, you had to pick up one of its toys and hit the hit the baby ghost with it. And then you, <laughs> could, you could enter into the fight. Or, like, there's a ghost that is obsessed with itself in the mirror, and you, like, open a window. So, like, a gust of wind starts blowing her hair around. She gets up to close the window, and then she's, she's like, vulnerable to be back. Wind like affects one. ghosts? Yeah. It's, you know, let's, can we? Okay. I'm we sorry. We can I'm talk about that all day. Getting stuck in the nitty-gritty. So there was that. There were booze that were hidden all What, all like around. whiskey and vodka? Oh, God. Are you, every... <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you mean like just the sound? Like like if you open a door, you yeah. find... Well, no, no, he means boo, boo the ghost. The ghost. Oh, boo-hoo. The Mario ghost. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> there were those hidden all over that you had to find, um, which you had like a little radar thing on your Game Boy Color, which was your radar in the game. Um and then there were just sort of general monster ghosts that would just sort of attack you in the hallway that you had to suck up that didn't involve, like, much, much puzzling. Mm. Um, and so in, in Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, there is a much, 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 much bigger emphasis on that last kind of ghost. It's just, like, the monster ghost that jumps up, and you have to be quick on the trigger to, to vacuum it, mm-hmm. um, which works... Because the instead of just like aiming and vacuuming and then pulling away from the ghost to kill it, you now have like a few other things you have to do. Like you have a strobe light on your uh, flashlight that you carry around. You have to like flash the ghost to stun it, and then you can vacuum it down. Or you can charge it and stun like a whole room full of ghosts if you aim well, and then vacuum them all down. Um, yeah. Basically, is Mario in this game? I'm not gonna tell you that. This yeah, is that's major a colossal spoiler. Um, I, Griffin, oh I think you should lay out the storyline, though, because I think people are really curious why he's back in the mansion. Well, that's the thing. There is, like, almost no setup for it. There is this, there's a dark moon that keeps all the ghosts, like, docile. It's and not a like, literal moon. 
it's moon shaped. Yeah. It, but it's it not casts, like the moon. It casts some light, but it's not the moon. Uh, King Boo comes, breaks that shit, and then you have to go find all the pieces of it. And Luigi, like, there's no, like, I want a mansion. Like, the professor from the first game is just like, hey, get the fuck back here. There's ghosts again. Yeah. And then you go, and then you do that. Um, Basic, uh, like, if I were to summarize what it is, like, what it means as a sequel, it, like, the action-adventure blend of the first game, it, I feel like it leaned a little heavier on the adventure and the puzzling and sort of the cerebral figuring out how to catch the ghosts. In this one, it's just more on the action side and there's still yeah. puzzles there's still like some of the boss fights are really clever um but mostly it's about they will throw five ghosts at you and you have to catch them without dying like i don't think i ever died in the first game how... and this one several times like there's a pretty big difficulty spike. how canadian does it feel <laughs> it doesn't there's not an overabundance of canadian i would say it. of all of the mario characters luigi's probably the most canadian sure sure um, seems like a fair. fair um there uh, like I, it really i don't want to undersell this point because like the first game was really clunky like the controls were um and in this one like that combination of you know having to flash the thing and then vacuum it down and while you're doing that and while you're pulling them in like avoiding the other three ghosts in the room because there almost always are um it it works and like it feels great and a lot of that was engineered for the game's multiplayer component yeah um which is 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 pretty fun. Like it's it's basically the same experience as the core game. It's you, you know you're walking around a bunch of rooms. There's a you know often a lot of ghosts that you have to take down with the help of your friends. And like it works. And maybe it would not have worked if it was sort of more of that cerebral experience at the first game. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the multiplayer is probably what I spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And. I liked it. It almost had that space team, some like space teamy feel to it, just because yeah. there was a lot of like well, shouting, like "Oh my god, I'm in this room. I'm stuck in a rug." So while you're talking about that, there are the online multiplayer. There is online multiplayer and local multiplayer, and also the local multiplayer has download play. So if you're the only one with the cartridge, you can share it with other people, which I actually tried and it works really well. Yeah. Um, the online multiplayer has no voice chat. As far as I can tell, unless I was missing the voice chat button, which I, I'm almost certain I did not, um, and it basically makes it impossible. You have four commands that you can press that makes Luigi shout like, hey, or help, and those yeah, are like... There, it those needs are like not. a come the fuck over here like That's voice what I command. specifically... I, sp- I think I wrote that in my first review draft was I would happily exchange the hey button for, hey, you fucking idiot. I'm over here. There's a mode called rush mode. Uh, so there's a hunter mode, which is basically like the core game. Like you have to kill or sorry, vacuum all the ghosts on that floor and then move on. And then there's the occasional boss and you have to work together. Then there's a mode called rush mode where you have 30 seconds to run around the uh, an entire floor of this mansion looking for the exit. And you can find, if you kill all the ghosts in a room, you get a 10 second expansion. So basically, all four players need to run in opposite directions, find the exit, like while they're running, still, you know, vacuuming up ghosts so they can extend the time, and then everybody has to get to the exit before time runs out. I played this maybe four or five times, never made it past the first floor. No, it's, and it's always because three difficult. people make, right, but you played it in the same room with people. Yeah, and even then it was chat. difficult. 
Yeah, well, you could grab somebody by the hair and say, "Fucking look where I am! Yeah. Look where I am!" We <laughs> had three Brian, people all so standing really on the exit. By the hair. Three people all standing on the exit. All three of us shouting, "Hey, <laughs> hey, help!" And like the guy just like fucking didn't get it. Like waited in the next room until time ran out. It was yeah. the most frustrating thing ever. Also, online multi doesn't have persistent lobbies, so once a game ends, you have to go find a game again. Dude, it's like, kind of fun when you're playing with when the game's not released yet. It's also it's also more fun trails. when the round you just played lasted thirty goddamn seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, but all things this... considered, like the multi didn't feel as much like a unnecessary appendage as I thought, and I can see how the game was sort of tailored to allow it, and like it what that sacrifice wasn't was not completely unjustified. If yeah, I think there's, I would say that there's basically no reason to play online, but for local multiplayer, it's quite good. Well, some of them, like the hunter mode works fine online. Like sometimes Yeah, it but sucks, even then, get... it's like a lot of the fun of it is like coordinating with people and you really yeah. can't coordinate online. Yeah. Um, so to, one of the other things that has made that like you can tell they tailored the game was they, they it's all mission based now which I guess is because that kind of compartmentalized game works better on a portable, on a handheld. Um, except it's probably like also missions, a lot easier to develop, I would imagine. Maybe, but the missions are all 20 to 30 minutes long, which is not bite-sized by any means, unless you take a shitload of time to chew your food. Like, it's... The missions are long, at, but, but what sucks... And, and let me be clear, because the first game had like these mandatory points where you had to go back to the lab and empty out your vacuum and do all this stuff, but they were not nearly this frequent. But more importantly, it's not the stopping and starting that sucks. It's the fact that the missions themselves are the most like frustrating. They have taken every cue from the book of bad game design. Like There are so many fetch quests. There are escort missions. There is, towards the end of the game, a instant fail timed mission that is, like, the difficulty spikes a thousand percent out of nowhere and, like, made me want to probably stop playing the game and tell <laughs> Arthur, like, I just wasn't going to review it. Like, it it gets really hairy. Not only that, but, like, it's so fucking repetitive. Every, there's, like, f every chapter, if you will, takes place in a different level, and there are five different, five or six or four different missions inside that level. In each one of those chapters, there will be a point where you have to find, like, a crank or a key or these parts of a windmill to open up the door to the next area. You will find it in the very next mission. Ghost will fucking steal it. Ghost will yeah. fucking steal it. And then you have to go back and get that thing again. That happens literally in every chapter. And by the sixth chapter, like, you get a key and you're like, well, bye, friend. Like, <laughs> it was fun having you, but I know a ghost or a dog or I'll drop you in a grate or like something is going to happen where I'm just going to have to track it down again. Yeah, which I Luigi guess is is pretty clumsy, I would say. Yeah, but and ghosts are dicks and like they'll steal your shit, but fucking put it in your pocket. That's really well, but, all you have to do. But ghosts can just reach through your pocket. I they guess can. that's true. That's a fact. Yeah. It's yeah. By the way, if Griffin and I are discussing ghosts, TM 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 again. <laughs> trademark my brother, my brother, me, 2013. <laughs> I it's I it's a little thing, I guess, because like ultimately you're still completing missions and catching ghosts no matter what but you just, just want some i mean it's just some reason some to be variation yeah yeah um not only that the ghosts themselves mm -hmm. have like no character whatsoever which is probably the most disheartening part to me like, i just it, wish that they would go like tie into the like nintendo pantheon more 
it's not that it's it's so the first game like i mentioned like you go into the nursery and there's a baby ghost and you have to solve the puzzle of the nursery to figure out how to catch the baby ghost right and then there's there's the mom ghost and then there's like the you know whatever the grandpa ghost there are these different ghost characters and what they are and what their setting is like informs what you have to do to solve their puzzle to catch them in this the bosses are like identical they are these poltergeists that take over these different menacing objects that you then have to defeat and like the bosses are all different let me be clear like the boss fights are all different some of them are like legit puzzles some of them are just like pattern recognition and then figuring out how to beat them but there's not that sense of like it's not as engrossing it's not like okay i'm in a ballroom like there are these two dancer ghosts i have to catch what do i do with that which i guess like it does again it doesn't sound like a little thing it just like takes away from a lot of the the charm and the you're just thinking a lot less it's more you're just reacting it's yeah it's like the first game was this it was a, a lot more puzzle driven and in this game it's much more action driven and though the action though they have fixed it in in every conceivable way they like didn't pay attention to what was so great about what about the first game which was how atmospheric it was and how memorable it was like yeah and i think that that the biggest shame is regardless of how you know competent the multiplayer is and how it's been tailored for this multiplayer platform and how great the action is i don't think when the game was announced at whatever e3 or gamescom last year i don't think when the game was announced people got excited because they were like oh well maybe they'll fix the ghost combat this time around you know what i mean they got excited because like the first game was this really charming not terrible side story in the mario universe that had like just so much character yeah, and I I think that a lot of that is lost here. Maybe because they didn't have to adapt it to English this time. Do you think? What do you mean? What? Well, the first game was developed in Japan, right? Right. And it was probably sent through Treehouse, and Treehouse does all sorts of weird storytelling things. This Are game you was sure made about that? Because this Canada. was Canada. Was Treehouse doing that back in you know two thousand? Well, not only that, Treehouse has been doing that since the GB. I don't think yeah. it's even relevant because like. It's not like not the relevant? game. I don't think localization would have changed. Certainly not how the game plays. That's, what, that's how. No, Treehouse. They do Treehouse. localization. They do the dialogue and all that stuff. The story. I will say, exactly. like, there's some of that. There's some of that stuff. Like, the boos all have the word boo in their name somehow, and they all have like the best boo puns, like <laughs> ever. Um, like some of that shines through, but like it, it's not. A, it's it really isn't an issue of localization because like there are no ghost characters. To yeah, you're write saying this these stuff the ghosts for. don't have enough soul, right? See, they, <laughs> That's not, really good. So, That's really soul. good. Like I feel like in. I'm splitting hairs, and like I feel like this is a kind of criticism that people fucking hate because I'm actually saying that they fixed a lot of things about the game, while like I didn't but get as be I didn't get as symptom. It's not that it's it could be better. It's that. They didn't, sat, didn't they, give you that that Nintendo feeling, right? Like, right. I, I, I don't little, know. A little, a little squeeze on your heart. I. It's just. It's not as memorable as the first GameCube game was, which like won't mean a lot of things. Like it won't mean much to people, but I, I, I feel like that's what set the original Luigi's Mansion apart, and that people are going to like. If you were a fan of Luigi's Mansion, I feel like, I don't know, you're gonna miss that 
You're gonna miss that charm, for lack of a better word. Does it have any Waluigi? No. No. I can't with the spoilers. God, why would I play this game? It does have a dog that's a ghost. Um, that will revive Oof. you if you find a golden bone, which um, you you have to sometimes because some of the missions are so fucking hard, you guys. Yeah, I've got a golden bone right here. All right, can we end the show? I'm, I don't want to hear Please. anybody <laughs> yep. on this talk anymore. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Chris Plant and I, well, well, Justin and Griffin are heading up to PAX East this weekend. Yeah, if you're there, and on, come on, say hi. Saturday at 12.30, Sunday at 12.30, Arachnid, I'll be there discussing games journalism in the first one, Snore, <laughs> and then uh, I'll be hanging out with Gamers with Jobs on Sunday talking about why we game even though we're old men. 12.30, Arachnid. Yeah, if you're in Arachnid and it's twelve thirty, and I'm not there, it's Friday. Whereas, um, <laughs> and this podcast is not. That's a me. shit way to tell time, by the way. Don't... <laughs> that, you gotta come up with something better than that. <laughs> uh, Chris Plant and I will be at GDC all next week. Um, um, Bioshock's out next week, but I don't think we're gonna talk about it next yeah, week because we really, we're we gonna really want to get deep in it. So that's next week, and by that I mean we don't know, but it'll be it'll be we'll figured out what you've come to expect. Yeah, so make sure to join us again then on Friday for the Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends play the world's best game?